I think America will. I do think America will, and I think we will too, but probably not that radically. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing, and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, let's start with the obvious one. What's going to happen to Boris Johnson? Is this water off the duck's back again or is he going to drown? Oh, as I've been saying for a long time, it's the last days of Rome. <clears throat> the walls are crumbling. It's falling to pieces. Um, and I think it is that steady drip, drip, drip on the stone. And it's a combination of incompetence and lies, just outright lies, sending ministers out day after day to defend the Chris Pincher situation. Then in the end say, oh, sorry, hands up. Now I was warned about him five times, but I, I forgot. But this isn't new. This isn't new. And yet it's upset you more than usual, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I'm pretty has, curious. It, it made me angrier. It's made me angrier than any of the previous cover-ups and distortions before. And I think the reason for that is the potentially dire economic circumstances we're, we're heading into. Um, you know, when you get a global recession, there's only so much government can do. I know that, I get that, but there's still a lot government can do. And we are staring down the barrels of a 30% rise in corporation tax, huge error. Uh, we have annual debt repayment now double the defence budget. I mean, can you believe it? Double the defence budget. Um, we've got a very serious situation in this country with underemployment. 5.3 million people living off benefits who could be in the workplace. And everywhere you look, this needs the, you know, the firm smack of leadership. Hey, look at the England cricket team. You change the coach, you change the captain, suddenly we're a different side. Now that may be an extreme example of leadership, but there's nothing happening in this. I know people very close to Boris Johnson, close to the Chancellor Rishi as he was, um, and they all tell me, having spent hours with them at Chequers and elsewhere, there is no plan. None. It's all about survival. There's even talk of a general election being held to save Boris's skin, which, by the way, I think the, I think the public would give him two big fingers if he did. So that's why I'm upset. That's why I'm angry. It's clear to me, and I've said it before, again and again and again, this man is a cheerleader, not a leader. He was the right guy for 2019. We now need something completely different. So where are we? Zahawi, I'd hoped, would resign along with the others, but he's gone to be Chancellor. Can mean one of two things. Either means that he stinks with the ship and his reputation goes with Boris's, because there's no way back from this. 54% of 2019 Tory voters think he should resign. There is no way. It's like a relationship. When trust breaks down, getting it back, it just doesn't happen. The alternative school of thought is Zahawi now has a chance to build himself into a big national figure, to show that he's a loyal human being to the <coughs> half of the parliamentary party that still support Boris Johnson. And who knows, if he stops those corporation tax rises, cuts, some VA, cuts VAT using some of those Brexit freedoms on heating bills, et cetera, then he might, he might just be able to re-establish conservatism as we know it, understand it, and believe that we need it. So we'll just have to see. But the, you know, the only one to watch out of this lot, frankly, is Zahawi, in my opinion. If we go the other way post-Boris, if we go the Liz Trust route, the Jeremy Hunt route, we're just back to where we are with a form of social democracy. And all of this instability 
affecting sterling, as we very much predicted over weeks that it would. Although to be fair, the dollar is very strong. It's at 20 year highs against the euro as well. But then look at it, look at it. Why is the dollar strong? Because they're self-sufficient in energy. We're a big importer. Europe's utterly reliant on Russia. Um, I mean, can you believe it? They're now rationing hot water in Hamburg. I mean, Bild, which is the German equivalent of the sun, said it's worse than 1945. It's worse than post-World War II. Our factories have been told to prepare for gas rationing this winter. So it all kind of makes sense, given where the world is, that the dollar is much stronger than other currencies. It makes sense that sterling is weak. And I would just say this on this big question of energy. There are some schools of thought that say oil will fall to 70 bucks a barrel because a big recession is coming globally. You know, China slow down everything else. And quite a lot of people think that. The other school of thought, which is the one that I, I'm not saying that I subscribe to, but the biggest risk we face economically is that actually as Putin takes the Donbass, which he's going to, and as the rhetoric coming from our government and others ups and ups and ups the ante, he willfully starts to reduce supplies. He's found new markets in India and in China. Now, JP Morgan suggested oil could go to $380 a barrel. So you pay your money, it takes your choice. But I still think the big threat overhanging all of us and all of our economies is a further, a further energy shock that could still come this year. We've often joked in the past that we didn't really know what Labour's policies were, but now we know what the policy is on Brexit. Has that made you happy instead of uh, instead of sad like the Conservative Party or angry like the Conservative Party? Well, we know what the Labour policy isn't, not what it is. We know that it isn't to rejoin the EU, it isn't to rejoin the single market, it isn't to rejoin the customs union. As to what it is, I've no idea. Make Brexit work. I think what he means is make Brexit boring. Uh, you know, try and get it off the agenda. Look, you can see what Starmer's done. I mean, look, Starmer is so dull, you know, it's, it's tough not to fall asleep listening to a speech. I mean, it's ghastly, but maybe boring is good against the chaos that we've got at the moment. Uh, maybe a steady Eddie who's fairly centrist, who's promising not to raise taxes, etc. Maybe that's what, you know, will, will appeal. Sure, he hasn't got Blair's pizzazz or charisma, but to be fair to Starmer, and very few conservative commentators are, to be fair to Starmer, he's obliterated the far left. You know, Corbyn's not even in the party. And he's now said, we accept Brexit. Now, you can call that cynical. You can call it what you want. For me, as somebody whose political life, or most of his adult life, was dedicated to this cause, it just shows you the status quo is now that we have left and it will not be reversed. So, of course, I'm pleased about it. I'm starting to believe, I can tell you. I'm starting to believe. Um, let's move on to uh, one of our favourite people in the world, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey. Oh. Usually, usually I'm I'm accused of being sort of a, a doom monger of being very pessimistic in my writing. But Andrew's been busy trying to outdo me. He's uh, it, it all started with the, the prediction of apocalyptic outlook for consumers. Uh, he's also said the UK will face worse inflation than other major economies. And more recently, the global economic outlook has deteriorated materially, and there's more pain ahead. What, what's he doing here? Because I'm a bit uncomfortable sort of agreeing with a central banker. And he does seem to be the only one out there who is who is so extremely pessimistic when it comes to his, his international policy-making yeah. friends. So what's going on? Well, he's, he's, he's certainly one thing he's agreeing to is that he's made an absolute pig's ear of everything. Because this was the guy who said, oh, no, no, no. 
know, there's no inflation. And then when it comes, it's merely transitory. And it'll, you know, at the end of this year, it'll have gone away. And now we're going to be the worst of the lot. Um, so it is an admission of how wrong he was. I, I do sort of half wonder, I, I don't be too conspiratorial, but I half wonder whether he's become the remainder in chief, whether next he's going to say we must rejoin the single market. I half wonder that. Um, real answer is, Nick, I don't know. I can't read this guy at all. He was an appalling appointment. Andrew out to lunch, Bailey, as he was known in Mississippi, not because he was a bon viveur, but because he never did anything and never answered the phone. So I, I don't quite know what his motives for doing it are. Maybe he's going the other way. Maybe he underestimated how bad it would be. Now he overestimates and says, hey, it's not so bad after all. But beyond that, I'm just not sure. Yeah, his comments move markets. So, I mean, the, the current story in The Telegraph is all about how the this, the chief economist of the Bank of England is admitting that the Bank of England has misled financial markets and, and I guess the economy, which is quite extraordinary. And I think it goes into what we've been talking about recently, where central bankers are starting to cop the blame. Um, but I, yeah, he's just, I mean, for a central banker to use the word, the word apocalyptic while planning on raising interest rates, I find extraordinary. Um, yeah. Do you think they will continue to raise interest rates given all of this recession talk and, and this apocalyptic talk? I think America will. Mm. I do think America will, and I think we will too, but probably not that radically. So I can see small interest rate rises, but are we going to be at 3% by the end of the year? I doubt it very much. Thanks very much, Nigel, and to everyone home. Thanks for watching. Thank you.